Oh, come on. All right, here we go. <clears throat> What's up, Butch Escobar? Shit. It's the Butch Escobar Show. The Butch Escobar Show. Uh, <laughs> it's the Butch Escobar Show. Motherfuckers. <laughs> that's that's the it there that's the, <laughs> you, you know who made that fucking chris Dorn made that that was my intro by chris Dorn. chris Dorizi. <laughs> he he was supposed to be doing this with us but he had uh he had to go to work because we all got we all got fucking bills to pay for still fucking it's tough dude how are you hanging by the way this is my uh uh, this is a colleague of mine, if you will, but uh, <laughs> man, one of my best friends in this business, Chris Riggins. What's uh, up? How's it going, man? Um, how how are you hanging in there with the quarantine and being a comedian? It's, I've I've mastered the Zoom show, so I'm good. Like I've been I've been making like I I'll say I'm 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 short like three hundred dollars what I normally make doing shows doing Zoom shows. Okay. So then unemployment. And then, you know, I have this wonderful thing called Section 8. Yeah, that works. And that works. They, they sent me a letter and they said, uh, we're going to lower your rent $200. No shit. Mm hmm. So wow. I went from $700 to $500. That's fucking amazing, dude. I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm, I just bought two pairs of shoes because I It's like, a, hey, you know, I, don't, I mean, like, that's the thing is like, um, the first month I did the Zoom shows, I made more than I did the last couple of months being no, the few months before that because I had a banging, I had a banging ass fucking February, dude, and yeah. then like I was like, hey, you know what, bro? I I actually was ahead of my bills after February. Dude, that's where was, I'm at now. I'm paying yeah. bills before they're due. Like what the yeah. fuck? And then all of a sudden, like this happened, and I was like, oh fuck, dude, <coughs> this is the end. Right? This sucks, dude. Like, at first, though, I was actually relieved because I didn't have to email nobody for a while. But then it settled in that, like, hey, man, it might be a long time before I get on the, on the stage, you know? Yeah. And, like, uh, so I kind of fucking went into a deep depression for a good week. Uh, I worked the shit out with my fucking therapist. I got on the fucking Zoom shit. I got to actually, because there's not... You know what I did, bro, is I shit on the Zoom stuff at the beginning. Yeah. And so nobody's like putting me on their Zoom show. So I gotta hit up I gotta hit up people to get on their Zoom shows. Well you're on my Zoom show, so therefore okay. you're gonna awesome. be on my Zoom show. Get your get your feet wet. Uh, I think I'm gonna have one of my own. I did a couple of storytelling shows. No, it's it's basically the same thing. It's like there's it's like, you know, it's it's kinda like you're just talking to a group a group chat of people. Um, they're you know, the way that we do it is, you know, you spotlight the speaker so it looks like right. they're on stage. Um Phil Griffiths did a good thing. He sent everybody a background shot of the stage at his normal show, and we all put it up. Oh, that's great. That's such a great idea. Yeah, it was, it was you know, it's, it's, it's tricks to this. I mean, the Zoom bombing thing, I think that has died out because people figure out how you can, you know, it's, it's, it's so much easier to, to block people. And then they, you know, Zoom added more control. So basically you can mute, you can basically make it where people can't, unmute themselves 
Oh, that's great, dude. Yeah, that's see, I like that, dude. Like, uh, we did do that. We did that with our Zoom show. See, the thing is, is like, I'm finding, I, I, listen, I, I want to hesitate. I won't, and, and short of saying this is almost as good because it's not as good as being on stage. But I'm finding moments where I'm like, this was great. That was a great, we did, dude, we did two great storytelling shows. They're yeah. amazing, dude. Like, I had my girl as the moderator. So she handled all that professional stuff. And then, like, I hosted the show and I did the storytelling show. We only did a couple. But then I thought, like, oh, this shit's going to lighten up and we're all going to go back to normal. But it seems like the Zoom shows are still crashing. Dude, even when we go back to clubs, we're gonna, this Zoom shit in this type of medium is going to still be around. You think that's, that, that's going to be the norm now <laughs> doing these, uh, these shows? Well, what's going to happen is, because, you know, I've talked to people that work at the punchline and basically they're cutting the room in half. They're basically, they're not going to have as many seats and right. they're going to make that money somehow. So you can sell tickets on Zoom. You can actually, you know, make people spits, you know, pay and they get sent a link. Um, and, and that's what's going to end up being like, I feel like more clubs are going to have to implement the live stream aspect to the club. You know, put up, right. the they're just going to live stream it on whatever platform they choose. It may not be Zoom, it might be whatever, but you're gonna have to figure out a way to, you know, make sure that uh, they're getting that money. Okay, okay, that that works. By the way, anybody who's watching right now, if you hear any Zoom buzzing or pounding, they're rebuilding the uh, apartment above me, and uh, nothing I could do. So, uh, show must go on. Um, and that's the thing, man. That's the point. Is like I feel like comedy has thrived. And I feel like uh, comics that I know, I keep talking to comics and they're thriving and they're making things happen. I mean, like, I, I got Zoom to do Zoom shows. But when I started, like, exploring this, you know, here, then I was able to, like, figure out, oh, shit, I could do, like, a podcast with this. And I could podcast with my friends and they could be in the comfort of their own home. I could be in the comfort of my home. And like we could uh, reach our our uh, followers or our masses or whatever. And man, I'm really excited. So um, I'm glad to have you on. I have uh, I've had already. This is going to be probably like three or four, um, and then it's not going to go out for another week from now or two weeks because maybe I might actually put it at the end of this week as a bonus. Like as soon as I get going, this guy's over here above me, just fucking <laughs> pounding on the fucking like he knows that I'm talking. He's like, Wait, um, he's listening as you are listening. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's about to talk. Bip, bip, bip. Um, but uh, the reason why I wanted Chris on here, so this show, I I don't have a format, but it's I just podcast. yeah, I just felt That's like the just, format. I felt like just go, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then if we figure it out, we figure it out. And so I've been having people that are on that are my most interesting friends. And, I've tr and I'm trying to run the spectrum of people that I know, you know, because, like, my dad's one of those people. Your dad um, is very interesting. Yeah, and, like, I have, like, uh, friends who, like, I have a friend who was, like, pretty much a professional gangster. And then he, he stopped you know banging he stopped fucking he stopped. like fucking shit up and like he, he stopped he, he just stopped bro but like as an adult you know what i mean like so i i have i have a i have a i had a doctor on last time i had an artist on before but i also and i, I had paco on because paco romaine does like a, he has a million uh hands in a million different pots in in the entertainment industry 
But I wanted to have you on because, uh, like, you know, we're good friends. You've been to a lot of places. I've been to a lot of places. We've been to a lot of the same places. Yes. Um, but, you know, like, you, dude, you have carved your own way in this in this world. And, and here's the thing that I always, and I'm not kissing your ass. I'm not. Well, I know. I know. Uh, That's too rough. But <laughs> uh, but you are a scary comic to follow. When I talk to, when I talk about comics to people, and and the thing I don't know if non comedian <laughs> comedy aficionados know this, but comics they have a kind of a thing where they go into a place. You either meet a, you either see a guy and you don't like him, and you go, I can't wait to go before that guy and fuck it up for him, or go after him and get more laughs. Or you see someone that you respect and you go, whoa, I don't want to go after that person. And for me, that's you. I've, I don't oh, have man. a lot of people that I, that I can't follow. And like you go into a place and I've seen it a couple of times. And I even brought Ian Kung with me one time and was like, you got to watch this motherfucker just go down. And this was at uh, the, the uh, Clayton Valley Bowl. Oh, yeah. Clayton. And you That's smashed that. Room. Oh, my God, bro. And then there was that time at the fucking place in the marina. Uh, it oh, was Shea oh, Bell show. Yeah, and, I remember and, that show. And I had, I, I, it had me following. And, like, you turned that place upside down, bro. Like, by the time I went up there, they were like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. They are like, we're done. We're, <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> uh, Thanks. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, I've been doing comedy since 2010. 2010. Yes, yeah, 10 years, I guess. Actually, that would be the shorter answer. Oh, yeah, man. it's I'm shaky on when it was. I'm trying to, you know. Right, so same I, was, I did a lot of drugs then. So, I mean, honestly, I don't even remember a lot from a year ago. Like, my wife, my ex-wife was telling me shit I did two years ago. I'm like, good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, did that, what, what, what brought you into comedy? What was your, like, what was your... Uh, I got challenged to do comedy by a friend of mine, um, two friends of mine. I got challenged to do comedy, and they, they, they thought they were going to break me. They, they put me in front of Dave Chappelle my first time. Oh, and fuck. It was like, it's, it was, he's laughing at my weed. It was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's getting a laugh. Don't don't make fun of the weeds for New York niggas. But uh it's not fair. It's not a good That's for the New York guys. Uh it smokes good. You want some? Enjoy. Take a look. Um it uh basically yeah, they asked me for Dave Chappelle first time. Like first time out. How was that? That was scary and and it was almost it was also uh fulfilling at the same time. Probably the scariest thing. One of the scariest things I've Did done. you want to be a comic when you were younger? No, I never thought about comedy. Yeah, I just, you know, they, they put me in front of Dave and that was just like, it was it was scary because it was like, you know, I'd never done comedy. I never thought of doing comedy because I, right. I was a rapper, you know what I mean? I thought at some point I was going to revitalize my rap career, which I may still do. I don't know. Uh, but... The niggas in New York going to be like, yo, son. <laughs> yo, son. What's up? What's up with this weed you gave us? What's up with this weed, yo? We asked for chronic, you gave us ganja. Real ganja leaves here, bro. We want no sticks, no no seeds, man. <laughs> Tim House is a, yo, this is a world-known manager. Son, 
Let me throw some of the biggest hits. The bars must be crazy right now trying to give us this trick. So, <laughs> my old earth, what is she supposed to do for our arthritis yeah. here? This is not going to work for my old earth. We got to do the science here, bro. Here, go away. We'll take some of this and go away. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have better weed. I, you know what I mean? Here's the thing. I'm not a weed snob. And after I'm studying, not either. After studying weed for a minute, I realized that yes, this weed is not top of the line. This weed is definitely not high grade. It's definitely not indoor. It's an outdoor strain that was a reasonable price that's going to people that really just need some weed. They're not even tripping off of. I would not turn down free weed. You know, and honestly, I bought weed in New York and, and it was basically this, but this at least they can say this is California. So I don't know what they want from me. I mean, I'm trying my best out here. You're doing uh, dude doesn't like it. We don't. He doesn't get another one. It's just that simple. It's not like the end of the world. It's free for the people you're sending it to. I mean, no, it's, they paid for it. But oh. I mean, for the money they gave me, this is what they can get in California. Right. But it's better than what they're gonna get for twice the price in New York. Like, yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, bad. This, it's that you know, bad out there. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, New York is just weird. I don't, you would think that New York would be those places that just weed flows, but it's just not. It's just like. Buying weed in New York is, it's not hard, oh, excuse me, it's not hard, but it's not as easy as it is in states like California and, right. you know, Oregon and Colorado. Like I've been to Colorado, been to Oregon, I've been to Washington. It's all a very easy process. You show your ID, you go in, you buy the weed, you walk out. Uh, New York, I've had to go into bathrooms at random food, fast food places throughout Times Square and different parts of the city. Uh, I've had to catch a train, a 40-minute train, all the way out to Holy Rockaway, fuck. Queens, uh, to get a $50 bag of uh, hydro, which is, you know, it's like, it looks really pretty, but it's just basically, it's worse than this. Jesus. You know, so, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, and I'm doing this as a favorable friend now. I mean, like I said, if he wanted better shit, he should have sent me more money, but I understand times is rough. Right. We're just trying to smoke. All right, let's crack back at it. Um, anyway, the reason why I wanted you on this overall is also because I feel like you are one of the most seasoned comics in the Bay Area. Well, why did I do that? I feel like you're one of the most seasoned comics in the Bay Area. And so I, I had an idea that I was just going to do this uh, podcast where I had a bunch of people on Facebook ask me questions. I said, if you would ask a comic anything, what would you ask them? Uh-huh. I, I got a few interesting questions here if you want to go okay. over them with me. Go for it. And then, uh, let's see, what did I do with that? Oh, there it is. Um, that first one I'm going to get to later because that one's a hot one right there. <laughs> uh, do, uh, this one's a good one. Uh, do most comedians do drugs and when... Okay, w- these are two questions. Do most comedians do drugs? That's the first question. Uh, most of the comedians I know have done drugs. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that depends on your, your, your definition. Like, do, what is drugs. do drugs? What is do, do drugs? You know, like, do you, you do know, drugs? Like, yeah, I smoke weed if that's a drug, and I drink coffee, yeah. that's a drug. So, yeah, I yeah. guess I'm doing drugs all the time. Yeah, I'm saying, like, there are comedians who definitely have habits. There are comedians who are social uh, drinkers and stuff, and there are comedians who don't do anything. You know, it's, it runs the gamut. I don't think of, I don't think most of anything does that so i mean it's just another section of the of the population that has the same issues that the overall population has so 
I don't know. I yeah, I feel like I think like comedians are susceptible to drugs, maybe a little bit more than most people because we're artists and artists yeah. are like fucked up people and fucked up people are attracted to drugs because that shit takes away your fucked up upness and, a little yeah. bit. And then also people think that that's a form of currency for us. People think, mm. Like, think about it. Think how many shows you did where they just give you drink tickets. Like, I don't really want to drink tickets. How'd you know I was drinking tonight? I've actually like, been paid in Coke. I've actually been paid in yeah, Coke. Yeah, exactly. I've been like, tipped. Yeah, it's just, like I, know, it's... I got shorted by a guy who, uh, out in Texas, we were in San Antonio, and the guy shorted the headliner, and the headliner came over to me and goes, hey, bro, like, here's your cut. I got shorted. So that means you get shorted too, kind of thing. And I was like, I don't know about that. He goes, look, dude, if you want to go challenge this dude, and this dude was bigger than me. He was like a big ass fucking Mexican dude. Like he looked like an Shit. Indian guy, but he was he was huge. Yeah. And I go and I and I walk in there and I go, you know what, dude? Fuck it, bro. I don't like getting ripped off by nobody. And so I said, uh, yo, what's you know, what's what's the deal here? You know? And and he goes, I don't got shit for you. He goes, You want a blowjob? I got whores working my kitchen. <laughs> And then he goes, uh, he goes, here's a, here's three grams of Coke. And he gives me three grams of Coke. And he goes, what else do you want? And I go, I don't want hookers, dude, but I'll take a hotel room. Because it was hot and I needed an air conditioning, like, to sleep in yeah. for the night. And uh, it was the best sleep I got because we were up for three days in this hot-ass house. And oh, so, like, I'll... I don't know like, if you can give me a room, why can't you give me my money? Yeah, right? But he had a hook at the hotel next door. I remember him telling uh, Well, he's got hookers, of course. Dude, like, this guy had everything going on, bro. We were in a, I swear to God, we were in a, an abandoned, like, Sizzler or something. You know, like, that's where we were. Like, they had, like, the, the sign boarded up on the fucking front of the fucking. Uh, was, this, was the show packed? Did people come? Dude, it was, like, about 30 people. And like, what it looked like was this place was like a, it was called the Rib Train. And it had like stadium style seating with like- The, the Rib Train. The Rib Train, I'm not even fucking <laughs> with you. And it had like stadium style seats where you could chill and like tables in front of you. And like, and like in Texas, bro, it's bring your own beer, bring your own drinks. And the show was supposed to start at eight. It didn't start till 11. And then they put on like, and then so by then the crowd smashed, bro. They're talking shit. They're throwing things at us, dude. There's like, uh, yeah, bro, it was a crazy show. And like, dude, dude like, uh, I mean, it was hot. Like, we're, oh man, I was coked out of my mind, dude. It was crazy, bro. It was, it was crazy. And the biggest, I would just kept asking for things that wasn't my money. I'd be like, uh, can I get a car? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I need some new shoes. Can I? Uh, uh, the like... dude, the dude was like, "Hey man, like I'll give you a hooker, right?" And that's when I was like, "Well, I don't even have a hooker, like a place to take my hooker, bro. Like I don't have enough." You yeah. Can me. And he goes, "Well, I I got a hook on a hotel next door, bro." And I said, "Look, keep the hooker. Give me the hotel. Give me the fucking air conditioning." And I'll take the coke. I'll do. And, I'll, and I'll take the coke, right? But I at the same time, bro. Like, we landed in South Texas, dude. Like, this place is called, like, the uh, Rio Grande. Uh, it's called the Rio Grande something, dude. Like, I can't... Our, Rio Grande Valley. That's what it's called. RGV. And it was in McAllen, Texas, right? No, we were in San Antonio. That's right. We weren't even in... We, were in, we came out of RGV. And so oh, when we were in the RGV, we were, get, dude, we were doing, 
Like, bro, people give y'all people give you weed after shows. Yeah, Cali. Yeah, people give you coke out there like that. They're right next to Mexico, of course. And so, like, coke. dude, like we were like, dude, from the get, bro, no sleep, nothing, dude. And so, like, I needed to sleep, and I was with this big ass comic, bro, this big ass dude, like, and he was kind of like our host. And when he picked us up in the car. On, at the airport, he goes, hey, man, do you mind driving? He goes, I had a DUI last year, and I, I, I killed a crackhead thing <laughs> in the street. I ran a crackhead over. Wow. So I don't have my license. And, like, the comic I was with was on parole. Uh, it was George Perez. And, like, oh, and he was still on parole. He wasn't even supposed to be out of California. Motherfucker, that explains <laughs> everything. Shout out to George. George Shout out to George. I don't know if I was supposed to I say his name. I met him a couple but... of times, and he's a really nice dude. Every yeah. time I met him, he's really mature. But I know George's comedy, and I imagine, yes. Bro, this guy took me on my first. This is my first out-of-state tour. This is the first time I've been on the road. Ugh. And like, so we get there and fly, flying to Austin. We got to drive like eight hours to the Rio Grande Valley or like 12 hours or something like that. And then the, this dude that picked us up, he's a good dude, man. I'll, I'll probably bleep out his name. His name is Mario Salazar. And like he, uh, he, he picked us up. It was crazy, bro. So anyway, he stayed with us the whole trip. He got us all the shows. And like, so, um, we go back to the hotel, me and Mario. Mario's dude, this dude, I think he's lost weight, but he used to be as big as a fucking house, bro. He was huge. And, like, uh, I pull out the bag. I'm all, I don't know. I don't want to do this right now, bro. I want to go to sleep, dude. You know, like, I, I'm done fucking around. We still got, like, three days left on this tour. And, like, fucking, he goes, well, can I get at that? And I'm like yeah dude go for it and he dumps the whole bag out onto this fucking glass table and uh he lines all of it up he snorts it he goes out into the hallway grabs a bag of chips sits down on the bed slams the chips passes out before i could be out like completely passes i I never seen anything like it in my life so he took the coke to go to sleep he took the coke and then went to sleep bro Oh my god! Like he a, passed out, bro. Like he was like he was. Gangster. He had his arms out. He had the. He did the whole Jesus pose on the bed. On you your know bed? On his bed. Oh my god! But he's so big, he covered the bed, bro. That shit was fucking crazy. That motherfucker was the man, though, bro. He hooked it up uh, the whole time we're out there. But yeah, dude. Uh, comics do drugs. We don't. I don't think we use like. I don't think like some of us are. I would say there's a lot that don't do it habitually but then there's some that fall into it i mean we're fucking fucked up people dude yeah yeah so all right especially and then the other question he asked was and uh when did you think you were funny when did you think (laughs) when did you think you were funny i think i've always thought i was humorous or or funny but you know not like stage funny like i've been asked to do comedy before and i was always like eh, this is different between being stage funny and just being funny for your drunk friends right but i think that's I think, something to talk about yeah yeah i think really it was actually that first night first night i did it and and i had these people laughing now there's factors that go into of course like of course if you've ever performed for a large comedian uh the audience tends to be rather rather chill they tend to be rather open to whoever comes up on stage before him because they know they're there for a certain artist and they're gonna get their money's worth yeah and they figure anybody that that artist 
picks, like they don't know how comedy works. So they think that the artist is picking it. I mean, for the most part, most of the large comedians do pick their, their openers, but you know, they just assume, okay, well, this person is opening for this person and psh, this person's gotta be psh, cool. So we're gonna right. give him the opportunity that, let's say we're doing a regular showcase at Cobbs and crowds kind of like, they're hesitant because they're like, oh, I don't know yet. You gotta, you gotta like, you know, really get in there. So like, I think for me, it was, yeah, the first time, like after the first couple of laughs, like, I'm a funny motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing for me, man, is like, uh, I was always funny and people always said I should do comedy. I actually avoided it because I thought it was a stupid, I thought it was like, <laughs> like, how dumb is America? You want me to be a clown? That like, we pay motherfuckers to stand up and say shit about their lives, like just complain. And then we pay them for it. Like, I don't, I like, I kind of always didn't understand that. And then like, I fell into it. And then, and then I, I think it was like, right away, I knew I was going to be good at it. Or I knew I was going to be funny, but it took me a long time to get there. And I yeah. think like, that's the thing is like, when you find your voice is when you're funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you because like, were you? I I mean, you were you were you always fluid, or did you have to work at being as fluid as you are? I think I've always been kind of fluid with it. Um, the, that I, I think what it is it comes from my background of you know rapping and then also doing a lot of oratorical things, being speech and debate, and just always being right, in right. front of people presenting. So I understood the the idea of timing when it comes to, you know, being on stage. Like anything you do on stage, you need to have timing. Like if you're rapping to the beat, you know what I mean? It's about timing. If you're, you know, anything you're doing is about timing. So with comedy, it's just a matter of figuring out your comedic timing, so to speak. Um, but for the most part, it's uh, it's it's just, you know, the fluidity comes at different points for people and everybody has a different type of fluidity. Like some people have a slow staccato, some people like to speak really fast and some people go, you know, in between that. It's wherever you feel comfortable right. to do is however you communicate in general is how you should try to tell your jokes. That's your voice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. how I talk to my friends and my kids and people in general is how I go get on stage. And you know, right. people are always like, oh, are you working out a bit? No, I'm actually just talking right now. And you're like, what? Like, yes, this is me. I actually nearly just talk like this. But what? And that's the thing for me, man, is like, um, I remember Chris Doran came up to me one time where we were already been really good friends. And he goes, look, can I be honest with you? Because I want to I wanna, I wanna be your friend because you call me a friend. He goes, your jokes are garbage, <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, okay. And he's, and I'm like, excuse me. And this is like right after he like went up with like Paul Rodriguez, you know? And so I was thinking, oh, you, you just being a big shot, huh? Trying, now you're trying to take a shot. little big somewhere. shot, huh? Your little big, little big shot. shot. Yeah, he's like four and a half feet tall. And anyway, he, you know, not, cause I don't want to make, cause this is the best thing you could do for a friend. This is the best, this is why he is one of my best friends too, because he, he goes, look, I, you're the funniest person I've ever met. Are you one of the funniest people? And he's like, but when you go up there, dude, what, what are you doing with this? How's it going, everybody? Like, you're, that's not you. And, and I didn't understand what he was saying. And like one night I was just talking in a parking lot outside of a show. And I had gotten a crowd around me for some reason and was just making, I was killing it, bro. And, mm -hmm. and when we got in the car, Chris was like, that's your voice that's what you should be doing on stage. Yeah. And, 
and that's and that's what it turned into was like me being on stage doing that you know and like and i think that's how i think it takes a minute to find your voice because i think it's in the middle of like who you really are but you also have to be you're consciously aware that you're on stage and in front of people yeah you know and i think like that's the thing is like so that's when you have to look for it um my friend uh my my homeboy aj guayo uh shout out to cali roots dope ass reggae band uh i want to know what it's like for a comedian to go on the road man it's uh, it's like setting a wild animal loose <laughs> do you remember your first road gig like your first real road gig yeah i did a little run to oregon with uh kirk McHenry. dude that's that one of fun. my first yeah go ahead that was that was fun uh it was it was like first time really even going into oregon um i never really been into oregon you know so i'm going into oregon and it's just like wow this is a whole different world like you know it's 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 Oregon, and then you meet the people. And you're like, oh, it's a Where, whole. What show was it at? What which one? What? Uh, we did one. It was like those shows, not not like the casino shows. We did one okay. in Bend, Oregon, at this restaurant. We did another one at some bar. And uh, what's that first city in Oregon that you hit when you come? Medford. Medford, yeah. You know, and we hit the back roads of <laughs> of Oregon. And did a couple, like we did like three or four nights. And it was, you know, it was just fun because it was like, you know, that's kind of like where I got my true vision of Trump supporters because like, I, I don't, I'd be feeling bad for some of them because I've met a lot of people that I know for sure probably ended up being Trump supporters. Right. But they laughed the hardest at the jokes. Yes, yes. Like, God damn it, I appreciate you guys for allowing me to have my art how I want it. Like, even when you're talking shit about white people, you right. know? The only time I've had issues with white people when I talk shit about white people is when I've been in Bay Area. Right. Yeah. Um, that's why I like Sacramento because I feel like right when you leave that Sacramento is the first like stop when you leave the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's getting less and less like that as itself because it's becoming more like the Bay Area. But there was a time, man, you go you go into Sac, you go to Reading, anywhere, dude, like those places, dude um yeah same thing hillbillies bro like fucking straight billies that i'm sure are like would want me to leave this country but they laugh they laugh the fucking hardest dude like it was uh i found mm -hmm. it i found it uh funny it, it's weird it speaks to how much we have in common but we don't fucking realize it it, it kind of like, it, it's like, you know, the people out there that believe the media is separating people. And I do believe to an extent that is true, but I believe there are also things that are actually people, you know, there's this actual problems, but the media amplifies it. Right. You know, some people, instead of, like, some people are, are not racist. You know, some white, they, well, let me rephrase that. Anybody that's white, born in America, has been indoctrinated in a racist society, so therefore they have racism in them. It's right. kind of like, if you born into a family and you all have a certain gene. Well, I think that's the thing biased. is nobody explains that. Nobody, see, here's the thing, man, is like, people don't understand that it's an indoctrination type thing with, yes. the, with the majority of folks. And it's so subtle. And, right. And, and the issue is, it's just like, you know, I always talk about how like, you know, the, 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 the right people, the conservatives have so much in common with, 
Latinos that are immigrants. It's like you're, you're both very religious. You like pickup trucks. Right. You like cowboy boots. You like music with guitars. You know what I mean? You like the desert. You know yeah. what I mean? It, 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 it's, it's, it's like, come on. You guys should be united against the city the city folk. Like, yeah, I can give it that. Yeah, well, fuck you country bumpkin. All y'all, all race of your country. Even you black well, country bumpkin, you know? The thing is that I noticed is like, you know, first of all, I did like me and another me and uh, another comic, Ian Kung, had talked about like how you know unequal the the protesters for the SIP with their guns and going in storming the fucking state, you know, and and nothing happened to them, and then the protests, the George Floyd protests, and like uh, the you know we we talked about those in, inequities for sure, but what I also noticed is that. These are both two factions of our community that have somewhat the same interests in common. That that they they need to change. We need to change the government, and we need that's the way the common interests, and that's what they're missing. Because in my ideal world, those those SIP protesters would see these protests, say, you know what? Let's get out there and help those people, and they would put their bodies with their AR-15s between us and the police. Showing right. the police now it's a oh, solidarity wow. thing. Like they don't even have to really agree with the cause, but if the cause is standing up against oppression, they should just be like, yo, we're on board that. And that goes to show that there is a overline, there's an underlying racist problem in America that needs to be solved because it it's like these these people who were protesting SIP, they're out there with Nazi symbols and, and racist and Confederate flags. It's like what does that have to do with you wanting to stay in play? What does that have to do with I, you trying to get out the house? That's the thing, man, is I don't get the, like, here, here's for me, this is how I feel. Like, the hateful racists, like the Nazis and the KKK, like, those motherfuckers should be terrorist organizations. Those motherfuckers should be stricken from this place. Like, first of all, Nazi shit, like in Germany, sh should be illegal. Like, illegal. That's illegal. We had too many people die fighting that flag. You know that we that we like we should not have that here. Then KKK should be, but those people, those hateful people, I don't know what to do with. I say we put them out to pasture, and whatever. Are we, you know? But the the racism that I see that like the, the average Trump supporter, you know, or like the 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 good old boy living on the farm, you know, like I always try. I, like there's no way to get them to understand compassion. You know, because yep. they're they're not they're not bred. Most of them are bred with it, and compassion just isn't just feeling sorry for someone. It's understanding their background, and like for me on my end, you know, I look at like like I look at a good old boy, right? And you talk to any good old boy, and they'll go, they'll say something like this about gay people. They'll be like, "I ain't really got a problem with it, mm -hmm. but if one of them touches me, I'm gonna knock his ass out." And it's like, one, nobody's gonna, nobody wants to do that, bro. But you know, the thing is, is that I, I see their intolerance, right? And yeah. I don't accept it, but I go, it's because nobody in that dude's life is openly gay. Nobody in that dude's life has taught him, like, this shit's okay, this shit's cool, these people are, are normal, like everybody else, and they're just doing their own thing and they're not bothering nobody else. Well, what I notice is, it's, it's really what it comes, it's not even those people that bother me. I, res I can respect a motherfucker that can at least be upfront about it. That's true, too. 
it's the motherfucker that will sit back and not have a problem with gay people, but won't say anything to do when he does knock out a gay person for touching him. Right. He'll sit back and say, oh, I'm so sorry that it happened to you, instead of like, yo. Like, it's almost like with the videotaping of the police. It's to the point where I'm like, stop videotaping them, and citizens just start jumping in and beating their ass. Dude, if, Three if, of them and 100 people on the street, fuck if, them up. If those, there was like three or four citizens yelling at those cops that I could, that I could, I'm sure there was more, but that I could put a voice to. And I felt like there's three cops, there's four cops, right? There's three in the immediate area. If one of them tackled, if one of them went for that, the Asian dude would stop, but then the second person or the third person would have made it over and George Floyd would still be alive. Yeah, and in truth, it doesn't even take a whole tackling of the cop. It just takes you to just get him off of him. Just really just kind of like, even if you just walk up and confront him to where he has to stand up, that's that's right there. You got him off his neck. Now he's up. And right. dude can take that minute to get some breath and air. And, you know, and then that starts showing, you know, it's just, it's amazing to me how, you know, you're just asking him for one simple thing. And they're just like, like the police are walking out in Atlanta because the cops are charged. And I'm like, do you, and like, I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, you cannot back this. Like if we were in the middle of a war. Right. You just could not walk out on, That's your, treason. on, your, on the people That's that treason. you're supposed to be fighting for because you're mad that they are not happy with the treatment they're getting. It's like, right. there's no job on earth. Well, that's the thing is there's here, dude, like cops are spoiled bitches, dude. Like that's the thing is like, when you look at the military, you look at military people, bro. It doesn't matter what your friend's going through. It doesn't matter what what your friend next to you is going through. Like you can't like you can't disobey orders. Yeah. You fight you you fight next to your friend and you fight for the bravery of your friend and, and and he does the same for you. But at the end of the day, orders are orders and that's how it's supposed to be. Well, that's what boot camp is. In the military, they break right. all that shit down. But They're they like, do that to these oh, guys a little bit and then not enough. They don't not really, enough. Not they let them go home at night. You get to go right. to the academy. You get to go home at night. Or they they don't give you they don't give you all the tools for what you need. And that's why the defund the police thing is just like the perfect thing. Like for those people who feel we need the police, yeah, we're still gonna have police. It's just that if there's a homeless man screaming in the middle of the street at midnight, they're not gonna send armed cops. I think they, we need people that can handle that. People that know, okay, this person's not in their right mind. Right. I gotta communicate, and we might have to use physical force to get him controlled but we know compassion we know right. we're not trying to can, can, can we're not this is not about ego this is about getting him safe right as opposed to punishing him for not following my rules and that's the you know what man what's funny to me is like things have to be explained to these people sometimes and it's and it's 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 hard because like here's the thing man is i come from a place where there was like, I grew up around white dudes and, and hillbillies and I got along with them. And, and there's things that I can explain and there's things that I can't. And one of the things that I try to explain to these motherfuckers is like defund the police doesn't mean get rid of them. I, I have three uh, uncles that were police officers. Like one of them's passed one and the other two are retired. Um, and one thing I always commonly heard amongst police officers was where we have too much, you see it on cops when they're like interviewing at the beginning of the scene of, of the guy's like segment. He's like, man, we're everything. We're, we're nurses. We're, we're crisis workers. We're, we're counselors. We're social workers. And it's like, so you're complaining on your own that you have too much work. 
and your workload yeah. is huge. So let's take all that and hand oh, that you. to the people that 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 could do that effectively that have went to school for that. And then let's just give you the job of responding when shit goes down and like illegally, you know what I mean? Like the house breaking into that, these for this so-called, you know, like, what are you going to do when the cops, when someone's breaking into your house and the cops aren't there. And it's like, they weren't there. They They're weren't not, there when it happened. They weren't there. Don't prevent crime. Dude, my mom's, my mom and dad's house got broken <laughs> into three times in a row in three days in a row by the same people and the cops never caught them. The cops never did, they don't, like there's no, you know, like, so it's like, but let's give them jobs to do because there is like law enforcement needed. You know what I mean? Like this, we'll do it like this. Okay, you guys don't want to defund the cops. We'll just take all your guns. We, you guys can't have guns. You gotta go. You gotta go bare knuckles. Well, that, yeah, dude. <laughs> let's see how many. Y'all, that's how it is. How in, many... that, I mean, that's how it is in other countries. I don't understand. Like, and like even like I think it was like Australia went and and took away guns and was like, hey, we're not gonna have guns anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and then I don't know if their cops are unarmed, but fuck, dude. Like, that's the thing is like, you know what, bro? I'll tell you how crazy this is. The, when I saw the, the clip of the George Floyd shit, dude, and you see him laying on the ground, you see the cop with his knee in his neck. I probably scrolled past the first two or three of those clips on Reddit because I didn't, I didn't read the caption. I just was like, oh, it's another cop fucking with somebody video. You know what I mean? Because it happened so fucking damn much. That I was like, it was like, oh, it's just going to be a cop doing some fucked up thing and it's going to make me mad. I'm not going to watch it. I haven't watched the video. I have not watched the complete video. I've seen clips of it moving, but I just scroll past it because it's like, I can't, I'm trying to protect my energy and I know the outcome. I know what happened. That's why people are in the street. I don't need to see what happened. Yeah, that's a good, do you know what, bro? That was a very good, I wish I would have taken that advice. Mm. Because... yeah, it's, it's it's also coming off of personal deaths in my fa- in my life that have happened. So it's kind of like you know, um, it's like you know I, I have a lot more things to be worried about, and seeing that video at that moment is not going to help any mindset. I mean, I right. know what the deal is. I know what we have to do. I know where it has to go. I mean, it's just like it's to the point now where I'm just off advocating for you know, hey. You got a gun and you see a cop doing something wrong, bust that motherfucker with your gun. You know what I mean? It's it's, yeah. it's time. Like, you know, it's like they the police have forgotten one vital thing. They work for us. They are our servants, civil servants. Just like the motherfucking trash man, just like the motherfucking uh, 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 meter, all these motherfuckers get paid from money that comes out of our paychecks, that goes on from our property taxes, all these things that we pay out that they tax. When we go to a store and they put that 9.25% tax in California, guess what? That's going into police too. What so, do you th- right. What do you think's gonna happen next? What do you where do you think do you think do you think things are gonna get better at this point because it's completely come unasked? Or do you think it's not I I think they're gonna have to kill a white child before this shit gets better. And I'm not saying that I want that. What I'm saying is, right. not even a white child, let me take that back. Cause apparently they've been beating the shit out of white people at these protests and nobody seems to care. They cracked a 75 year old white man's skull and blamed it on him. So I, I, I see that's not the issue. They're gonna have to kill a dog. 
<laughs> revolutionary ass pug at the fucking march and they just they shoot the pug and they, they shot puggy the revolution oh and that's it that's, that's it that'll, that'll, that'll it'll fix everything <laughs> that's gonna change everything what about in our field like because there's we complain about inequality um mm-hmm. in in our field and i saw uh donald lacy post something that I liked where he was like, clubs better start getting in line. Yes. Like, booking booking black people. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I supported for, that. Not just for black night. Not just for oh yeah. we're having we're having Negro night. Get all the Negroes we know. Right. Same five Negroes we keep bringing. <laughs> uh, you know, no, it, it's 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 definitely got to happen. You know, like I was reading. You know, you know, I'm in secret groups with black comedians. Right. Here, you know, we, we talk amongst each other. And there, you know, people shown there's comedians at different levels in these groups. And we've I've seen pictures from comedians who were told by late night talk shows that their their racial material was too racial. And now in the past weeks, they've gotten emails from those same producers saying, Hey, in these times we've gone back and reviewed and realized that your voice is just as important and sending them checks for basically admitting that we didn't hire you because you were black. We used your materials excuse, but now we feel bad. So wow. we're shoot you some money. Well, and that's the thing is, I'm going to go back to where you said, you know, um, uh, like, not and not just on Negro night, because that's the thing, man, is like, the clubs would do shit, and I, I hate this shit, bro. I fucking hate this so much. Um, that they go, this is uh, it's blackout night and it's fucking brown Tuesday and fucking uh, fucking Asian this, you know, and it's and it's like, dude, I I hate that shit, dude. I have jokes for everybody. I have jokes for everybody, dude. Like I I did not, you know, what's crazy, bro? Is when I first started in comedy, I was like, I'm not gonna go into the fucking, I'm not gonna go into the beaner box. That's what I would call it, you know. Yeah. And like, uh, what's funny is, is that it ended up being like the beaner circuit is what it's actually called. And that's a real term. Mm-hmm, and believe. like, fucking, I'm on we that. Call, like, we call it the chitlin circuit. Black y- comedians yeah, call it the circuit. Yeah. And like, I mean, I don't know who coined that. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't really care. But what I care more about is that that has to be a thing. Like, we have to like, we have to get each other shit. And we have to get on nights where there's just us on there. And it's like, man, I would sure love to do that fucking, you know, uh, Punchline or Cobbs gig or fucking like Melrose Improv gig where it's like, oh, I'm just mixed in with the crowd. You know what I mean? Some of the funniest black comedians I know have not done major clubs. And and there's a lot of them who are funny who haven't done major clubs who have basically said, well, fuck the major clubs and have gone off like, you know, and decided to do their own thing. Right, and it's right. like, I've done major clubs and I've done those shows and I'm gonna be real. I've gotten more money off those other shows because they pay you what you should be getting. You know, yeah. they, you up and they say we got, we got, you know, $300 for, for, for 10 minutes. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you do yeah. the major clubs and you're getting basically $50 per show you know, over a course of a weekend, which is fine if, you know, because I, here's the thing, I understand how the game works. I'm not knocking the major club system of pay on the scale of that. I don't understand how it works. You know, you have to work your way up. I get that. 
but there does need to be an overhaul where it's more more bookers of color, more clubs owned by people of color, and and giving everybody the same shot because right now it's like I noticed with certain clubs, it's like you know when when there's an an Asian headliner, guess who's opening? Right. You know. That's the thing that I don't like, man. Is like the the pairing is like racial pairing. And it's like, or you know, what's even funnier is like, I'll either get racially paired with somebody or I'll get class type paired with somebody. Like mm-hmm. I'll get some fucking working man, Trump following asshole comic that I don't fucking get along with. Yeah. You know, that I'm not, that's not, that because I look like some fucking guy who fucking goes and works in fucking front of clubs and punches people and shit. That's not, I mean, if you heard my comedy, it's not what I talk about. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I get so misjudged, you know, and it's, it, I, the thing is, is that I I do see the inequalities, and I think right now, as comics, is a good time that we change. And that's the thing. What would you like to see with um, happen it going forward? Do we unionize? Do we like? How do we how do we break this this inequality that goes on in our community? Um, it's so hard because, like, yeah, we could unionize. I mean, I think that's the only way it would ever be able to break it because unionization means that we can set a standard and no comedian can break that standard. Whereas now it's kind of like you have comedians who are going to take the lower pay just because they want to get on stage and they think that's the path to success is to do most stages. And they're like, yo, I'll do it for less. And and it's, you know, it's a gatekeeper thing. Also, you have these people who are in sometimes cases, comedians that weren't that good, but somehow got in the business good you know that's, what I mean? yeah and that's the thing that i get sick of seeing man is like i know so many hard-working people and i'm not just talking about myself you know <laughs> like i taught and also you're, you're one of those people yeah it's i mean like dude there's these talented people i watch i watch people take off from this place and it's not that they don't deserve it and because there's not so many of us that i don't want to i don't want people to think well he's talking about me but there's guys. That, I am. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of am because it's like, good, you're you got somewhere, and you you. I'm glad you got it, and it's amazing that you got it so quickly out of the gate. But the sad part of this is, is I'm happy because a couple of them are my friends. But the sad part of this is, is that there's people that I see that are like way more experienced. Uh, v- like extremely funny if not more funny and and deserving but when i look at the common denominator here i go oh well you know he's a black guy or he's a mexican guy you know and like the thing is man is this is how racist this shit is is that i can't say he's an indian guy or he's an asian guy right now because that's what's what's cracking off Mm -hmm. not to say good for the asians or good for for the indian guys it's to say that's how racist this shit is. is well, it goes to the comedy, bottom minority. Comedy had its turn with the blacks and with blacks in the nineties. Comedy had its its time with with the Mexicans in you know like in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yep. And then now it's like on to Asians and Indian people, and it's like why? Why is that a thing? Who's pushing this? Who's they can only handle one of one at a time. It's a safety thing. It's like. You ever notice those shows you're watching is all white people and it's just one <laughs> random person of color? <laughs> like yeah. out of nowhere. Motherfucker just pop up. You're like, okay, here's the thing I know about people. The, the, the Lisa Turtle in the group. 
There's one thing I know about people of color. There's more people of color around him. Where are the right. people of color? Like, you know, that was my big question always about Lando Calrissian in Star Wars. Like, that motherfucker had the coldest perm in space. And I'm like, I know there's a black woman somewhere in the universe, in that fucking galaxy that's laying that nigga's perm down. Ain't no way in hell there ain't a Shonda or a <laughs> somewhere laying that nigga perm down, you know? And, and it's just, you know, the representation for them is their idea of diversity is, is white women. Right. You know, which I do believe women deserve the shot. Like, I mean, personally, I would like to see more black women get shots. You know, I mean, right. I know black men get their fair share of the of the bullshit, but at least people listen to black men. At least people say, okay, that black man is saying something. Let's listen to him. But when black women say shit, they're like, oh, you angry black bitch, shut up. You know, yeah. so it's like, you know, like with the Monique thing, you know, like it was like, if you agreed or disagreed with Monique, whatever, but the way that people disagree with Monique is kind of like very similar to the way that people who came at Hillary Clinton. You know, which is like, you're a woman. You're, you're, you should be happy that we're even giving you a chance type of mentality. Right. And that's the problem, you know? And so it's like, I would like to see comedy go more to women because between the pedophile male comics and the rapist male comics and the, the <laughs> you know, just the, the bitch ass male comics, it's just like, come yeah. on. I would rather go do a show and be the only dude on the show. Right. I would right. rather that. Because it's just like, I'm so tired of, of meeting male comedians and coming cool with them. And the next thing you know, that motherfucker tried to rape three people. Yeah, they got a case pending. And they got, they got, they're getting outed and accused. And that's the thing, man, is like, uh, I watch it happen, right? And I feel like I'm one of the guys that's like, uh, that would be like, hey, uh, let's, let's not jump to conclusions here. Let's let's not accuse somebody that doesn't deserve to be accused. Let's, let's let the evidence speak for itself. I feel like I would be one of those guys myself. And the thing is, is that as this is going on, because I'm so into our community, like here in the Bay Area, like I'm, I love everybody, and I, and I talk to the ladies, and I talk to the guys, and I know, you know, I know the East Bay comics and the San Francisco comics, the South Bay and the Santa Cruz people are my people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I talk to them and I listen to the ladies and I go, there's no way I'm looking in this girl's eyes or I know her as a, a human being. And I go, that's not, dude, this, this person's not lying to get attention. Not one, not one of them have I ever felt like this is uh, an out of control, like. Dude, of all the guys that get accused, think of all the guys that don't get accused that are still going to shows and doing shows with the women right. they've assaulted. And these women are coming up to these shows and still rocking the mic and doing the shit with their rapists in the same room because they know as soon as they say something, they, people are going to attack them. You know right, what I mean? It's, right. like, it's like there was a comedian that was accused of rape and his friends were very upset. I want to I know these women are accusing him. I want to talk to them. I want to, and I'm just like, no, you don't. You're not his lawyer. Shut the fuck up. You can support your friend. Here's the thing. I've had a friend accused of rape and he didn't do it. But at the time, I couldn't say he did it or didn't do it because I'm not with him 24-7. I don't right. know where he's at when I'm not with him. So I don't know. So what I had to do is I had to tell him, look, bro, if this is true, you know I can't fuck with you. But until I know it's substantially true, I'm going to be here for you. But I'm not going to be out here publicly <laughs> saying 
that's my boy. He ain't ever, you know, I'm going to be right. very, like, if he needs to call me and vent about the situation, like, yo, uh, I'm going to sit there and listen. Like, yo, okay. I can understand this is tough on you. Even if he was guilty, I can understand it's tough on you because now you realize your whole world's about to come crumbling down. But at the same time, I'm not going to be out here attacking people, getting into arguments with motherfuckers about it because guess what? I don't know. I don't know if he did. I wasn't there. If this person felt important enough to say it, maybe it's true. Well, I don't draw loyalties like that. You know, like um, when I was younger, I might have had loyalties like that. But my loyalty goes to my son and my life, you know. And like, and the thing is, is that I shouldn't have to draw loyalties. Like me and you are good friends. And I feel like I'm a loyal friend to you. And if I heard someone talking shit about you, I would be like, well, you know, you probably don't know him that well. You know, um, or I might say something like that. But to fall on the gauntlet for you, because that would mean now I have to, like, put myself on the line there. And then if you fuck up my reputation, I lose my job. And then I can't feed my kid. And then then there's me not being loyal to my kid. And so the thing is, though, is that I choose that to be good friends with you because I go, well, this is a responsible person. He's not going to do anything. I don't think you would do stuff like that. And, and so I try to f- surround myself with quality people. And from time to time, it's happened, you know, where, and I've had it happen once where I had a friend who I considered a good friend and someone came along and said, look, this happened to me. And you were actually there when it, you know, like you were in the area, you know, like you, mm. this was after a show we did or something. And like, and and this is you know your friend so i had to go to that person and be like look man i don't have any doubt in my fucking mind and you know and and uh i'm sad to say this but i can't be your friend you know and and that's it you know and and for a good one good reason because you did that and i don't like that quality of person um but two also because look dude i've worked really fucking hard and I make yeah. no mistakes, dude. I took advice right off the bat. Don't fuck waitresses. Don't fuck other comics. Don't fucking do this and don't do that. So I pretty much, believe it or not, behave myself. Comics. What's that? I, I fucked other comics. <laughs> I didn't get that. I didn't get that. But you didn't get that. <laughs> See, that's the thing is you didn't get that. You know what's going <laughs> around saying that you're a bad guy or that you are being inappropriate and all that stuff. You know, so like that's the thing, man. Is like I just, yeah, all right, dude. Well, then I guess I'm loyal to comedy, bro. That's what I'm loyal to most. I'm loyal to my friends in the way that, like, you know, like your boy. I mean, honestly, when you said you're loyal to your son, that's where you can left it because that's all that matters in the end is that boy has a father. And you know, these comedians are friends of mine, the people I love, and then there's some comedians who I just don't need to do. I don't have to put up with you. You know what I mean? If someone wants to show with you. That's one thing, and I don't. I have no control over that. But I'm not going to be pow pow with you, buddy, buddy. Especially when I know that there's something you've done that hurt somebody. You know, whether I know him or not. You know what I mean? It's just kind of sure, like, sure. That's why I just tell these cats. You know, just you know, don't don't be so loyal to somebody who wouldn't be loyal to you. And then at the same time, don't be just loyal to people who that's are. That's the thing, man. Like Pick your friends right. You know what I mean? Um, I had a wonderful conversation with you, my friend. Thanks Uh, for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. 
Um, I wanted to get to those questions, but we were having a really good conversation that turned into something else. We're always talking. Which so is deep. the way it is. I got to have you on here again. So I appreciate you, man. I really do. We were working on our own podcast and then this shit happened. So Corona killed it. Maybe we can get back to it when we're done. We'll All right. We definitely have to revisit it. Yeah, definitely. All right, All right my brother. Cool. I'll talk right, to man. you later. I'll talk to you later, man. Bye. Peace.